Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're doing well. This is the week of Sunday, February 27th, 2022, and it is Transfiguration Sunday. And so we're skipping a little bit in the Gospel of Luke. We are going to begin in Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 28. About eight days after saying this, he climbed the mountain to pray, taking Peter, John, and James along. While he was in prayer, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became blinding white. At once, two men were talking with him. They turned out to be Moses and Elijah. What a glorious appearance they made. They talked over his exodus, the one Jesus was about to complete in Jerusalem. Meanwhile, Peter and those with him were slumped over in sleep. When they came to, rubbing their eyes, they saw Jesus in his glory and the two men standing with him. When Moses and Elijah had left, Peter said to Jesus, Master, this is a great moment. Let's build three memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He blurted this out without thinking. While he was blabbing on like this, a light, radiant cloud enveloped them, and they found themselves buried in the cloud and became deeply aware of God. Then there was this voice out of the cloud, This is my son, the chosen. Listen to him. When the sound of the voice died away, they saw Jesus there alone. They were speechless, and they continued to be speechless and said not one thing to anyone during those days of what they had seen. The word of the Lord. All right, before we begin, I wanted to say a few short words about the invasion of Ukraine and just to be clear that um, as Christians, uh, I don't believe that we should support aggression or war in, in any form. Uh, the way of Jesus teaches a path of nonviolence and liberation, which brings all things and all people towards peace and justice. So we pray for peace. We pray for those work, working towards uh, and into the to the violent conflict through diplomacy and dialogue. Um, we pray for all nations and all people, including our own, uh, to lay down weapons to end the war economy. And so we remember the prophetic words of Isaiah, they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer take up the sword against nation nor train for war ever again. So may we work for peace in our own hearts and our own lives too. Amen. All right, Transfiguration Sunday. Uh, fascinating text. I've preached on this several times before. Uh, and I always notice that um, as, I, as I do reading throughout the week, most progressive and evangelical theologies pretty much say uh, the same few things about the transfiguration. Uh, basically, it's a version of this. Uh, Jesus is transfigured. Peter, James, and John witness it. Peter doesn't want to leave this moment and wants to build a memorial to it. And in Christian culture, we have this phrase, a mountaintop experience. I'm sure many of you have heard this or maybe even used it yourself, uh, meaning that there's a, there's a moment in a time where a person experiences God or mystery. And I'm sure this phrase comes from all the encounters in, of God in the Bible, like Moses on Mount Sinai or Jesus and the disciples here on Mount Tabor. Uh, so, so many Christians will point to these um, 
the, the parallels and the benefits of these kinds of mountaintop experiences or encounters with God as, I don't know, proof of being in the right place or being somehow, uh, it's proof that you're in accordance with God's plan. And so sort of valorize these, these mountaintop experiences. So, uh, so you'll see Christians and pastors and I don't know, people across the board will emphasize the, the, the benefit of these mountaintop experiences. And uh, maybe you've even heard people ask, you know, have you had a mountaintop experience or an encounter with God like this? And <laughs> I can't tell you how many uh, people that I saw saying things like this, like um, these mountaintop experiences are, are good uh, because you're able to take these and, and carry them with you through the, the valleys of life. Uh, so you use your mountaintop experience as some sort of like affirmation, and then you go back down into life, and then I guess you'll need another mountaintop experience later or something. Uh, you know, Christian mainliners uh, will, will say a ver- some variety of this, but they'll just say something like, transfiguration prepares us for the Lenten journey, which is pretty much the same thing, just using fancier language. Um, but yeah, that's the basic variety of the takeaways of a lot of um, people on Transfiguration Sunday. And I don't know, I just don't really find any of these to be super, uh, they're just not satisfying to me. I don't know. Uh, maybe you can correct me on Sunday. But I think the silence from the disciples tells us that the Transfiguration event is more mysterious and more inexplicable than we're probably comfortable with. The end of the story really reminds me of the end of the Gospel of Mark, where the women find the empty tomb of Jesus, and they just leave and don't say anything to anyone about it. And we know that the Gospel of Mark had to add uh, an ending to kind of cover up the fact that um, the silence wasn't maybe um, the happiest ending to, to the Gospel. So whether it's Christian subculture or 21st century American culture, the mountaintop is symbolic of achievement and and success and um, making it. I mean, it's really just a a kind of capitalist, meritocratic thinking uh, that has seeped so deep that even our religious and spiritual lives need to amount to something to be worth anything. I don't know if that resonates with anyone, but it's so steeped into our spiritual life that we want our religious lives uh, and spiritual lives to, to, to amount to something. And I think that this is kind of warped uh, Christianity. Uh, this kind of spirituality, whether it's Christian or secular, it, it necessitates the mountaintop experience uh, of any variety because it's like a cheap fix uh, for an allusion to, to a nearness to God or to some kind of vague achievement. Even uh, charitable acts can be used like this, like as validation for our ability to, to really get it. Uh, humans, <laughs> we think we're really good at playing the mountaintop game. Uh, we want to, uh, even, I think even in our best moments, we want to experience glory and mystery and uh, something bigger than ourselves, to be, to be known for something, to be part of something that's doing uh, important work in the world. Uh, so we climb one mountain after another, uh, trying to find what we think only exists there. But as we've talked about all throughout the season of Epiphany, is that the 
location of the divine, as told by the Gospels, is discovered in the liberation of the poor and the powerless, the shamed and disregarded. Let's be honest, at some level, we all want to hear the voice in the cloud. Uh, We desire some sense of affirmation so we can like, you know, like Peter, build a monument to the time that we met God or experienced the Mysterium Tremendum. And to be perfectly honest, I think this text has done a, a great disservice in that it does indicate God is found in the clouds. So naturally, people have looked there for centuries while neglecting to find God in themselves, their neighbor, and their enemy. Like Peter, I think it's on some level maybe, it's easier to desire the fantasy of an unattainable God than to look at the one that's right in front of us. It's really hard to make monuments out of the mundane moments of love and grace that we have every day because those are so free and readily available. And we just don't think that it's possible to be able to find uh, this same God in the everyday monotony. You don't need training. You don't need a seminary degree. You don't need to go to church. You don't need an organization. All you need is your capacity for grace and compassion. I think I remember hearing something like uh, the size of a mustard seed or... Um, prayer in an inner room, and blessed are the poor. And I think we have a difficult time trusting these messages because we're so ingrained to think that there should be some pinnacle of achievement or a moment of proof that somehow make our lives meaningful. And as we begin Lent next week, we'll notice that Jesus continues to model this life of descent further as he makes his way towards the cross. And maybe it's just me, but I like to think that the transfiguration of Jesus points away from itself. It happened, maybe. Uh, But I don't think it's something to be desired. Like I said, I think this text has done uh, us a disservice. Uh, Peter's misunderstanding about its function points them all and us back down to a gritty faith of failing and misunderstanding. So may we embrace life right where we are, realizing that there's no mountain to climb and there's no God in the clouds. May we breathe in the freedom that we do not have to be something else or to experience an illusion to meet God who always meets us in stillness and suffering. And as always, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Be well.